Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Your Age Is Not Your Cage with Carla Allen. And today we are talking all about homesteading, um, going back to kind of the traditional way of life. And today I have on my special guest and good friend, Chelsea Shizes. And um, we are gonna be talking and she's gonna be sharing about all things that she has been learning um, about raw milk, tallow, sourdough, bone broth, just kind of going back to the basics because I've seen so much more of that and have heard more and more people talking about wanting to become more self-sufficient and getting acquainted with local farmers and, and just learning more kind of the back to the nature. And so Chelsea and I are going to dig into what she's learned, and then we are hoping to make this a type of series where um, I have guests on that talk about um, different aspects of this, and um, just so excited to dig deeper into this and learn more and, and feel like I am doing better for my family and taking care of myself and my family in the way that we're meant to do it. And I've been calling it kind of a, a homesteading state of mind, uh, but basically just getting back to a traditional way of life. So um, I'm going to quit talking and mm -hmm. I will let you say hello, Chelsea, to our listeners and tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Hi everybody, my name is Chelsea Shizes. Uh, I am 31 years old, I had to think about that. Um, I <laughs> She's have... a baby. <laughs> I have a seven-month-old son. Um, I'm married. I have a salon, and this is something that has just really become a part of my life since my pregnancy, and it, I'm just digging more into it, and Carla and I have been talking a lot about it, and so I'm really excited to share this with you guys today. Well, and before Chelsea goes on and talks about what brought all this on, um, she kind of just skirted right over what she does, and um, that that is how Chelsea and I got to know each other. But she is a very talented and gifted um, esthetician, and just share a little bit about that in your salon and what, what you've been doing with that. Yeah, I am a lash artist. I've been doing lashes for about 10 years. Um, feels like yesterday, but yep, 10 years. And I have a salon in Dripping Springs and Carla and I met through, I, I don't even know exactly, I think a salon I worked for previously. And so I've been doing your lashes going on six years now. Yeah, long time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, definitely something I love and am passionate about um, and have always been passionate about, but yeah, not too much about lashes today. <laughs> um, but so Chelsea and I are good friends and um, we just are always, her and I are always talking about so many different things um, and just trying to learn in taking better care of ourselves and our families. And I know I'm not going to put words in Chelsea's mouth. I'll let her tell that. But I think a lot of it for you was once you did have um, your baby boy mm -hmm. and kind or maybe even during your pregnancy mm -hmm. you can share all that but just kind of what started this path for you 
of wanting to learn more about getting back to the traditional ways? Yeah, um, you kind of hit it on the head there. Uh, during my pregnancy, I started thinking, I mean, what you do when you have a child, you start thinking about their health and wellness and their well-being and things that benefit them and things that will negatively affect them. And so not something I ever really cared too much about when it was just me taking care of myself. Um, and so I really started to dig deep in, you know, a more holistic approach to life. What's in my food? What's in what I'm drinking? What's in my air? What's in my medicine? Uh, and all those things that you put in your body um, on a daily basis and how those things will affect him and his health and well-being. And so that was really my inspiration for it. Um, being pregnant, I really started dr uh, drinking raw milk during my pregnancy, actually. Um, I found a lady who had lived nearby where I, uh, where I was previously living during that pregnancy and um, she had her own Jersey cows and so I would just go pick up a gallon of raw milk from her weekly and loved the way it tasted. It was so different than the store-bought milk that um, you drink on a, on a normal basis or maybe some people don't, but <laughs> yeah. um, very, very different than what you're used to buying at the store. And so that just kind of led me down the path of learning more like what's in my bread, what's in the lunch meat, what's in my, you know, grains, what's in my vegetables. And, and I even uh, started growing my own food at that same time. A lot of fruits and vegetables during that last summer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and for me, as far as milk, you know, I grew up drinking milk, regular milk from the store and we had it. Um, it was a, it was a, a every night at dinner we had milk and I got where I then could not stand the taste of milk, but also I just didn't feel good when I drank milk and it mm. upset my stomach and also affected later in life my joints. I really noticed it. I don't know if I noticed it as much when I was younger. Um, but so tell me some of the things, like I bet some people that would hear that you're pregnant and we're drinking raw milk were like, oh my gosh, what are you thinking? Right. You know, because I think people have such a misconception, and I would say I probably did too until I really started learning, a misconception about the safety um, of raw milk. So tell me what you've learned on raw milk and... Um, yeah. you know, where that's taken you. I truly believe that the milk that we get from the store, the reason why they started pasteurizing milk is because they were these large dairy farms with hundreds and hundreds of cows in confined spaces that didn't have grass to walk out on um, to eat. Um, They're eating a grain diet. And so when you have an unhealthy cow producing milk, it's going to have a lot more bacteria if they're just strictly there for the purpose of making milk. They're not free to roam. They've got more sores on their body. And so you've got this bacteria and these, you know, negative things that are then entering the milk. And so they have to pasteurize that milk because the risk and the liability is there on them uh, to make sure that people aren't getting sick. So personally, when you find a local farmer that has their, you know, a couple dairy cows and they do it because they just want their access to that milk. You know, they're, they're making three gallons a day per cow. They've got four, not one family can consume all of that milk. So of course you'd gift it to your friends. You, you know, give it to your local community. Um, 
And so I just, I don't see the danger or the risk so much in that raw milk. I know the lady I get my raw milk from. I've met her cow. She's got one cow. Um, <laughs> I met that cow too. Yes. Okay. And she's a sweet cow. She yes. looks like uh, Lucille Ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I, I tr I've seen her set up. It's clean. She's, she's very, very thorough with how she, um, not just, she doesn't process it, but how she obtains the milk from her cow. And so yeah. I just am not worried about that personally. Yeah. I, I'm more worried about the nutrient destruction that's in the store-bought milk than I would be um, from the raw milk that I'd be getting from her. Well, and as you say that, um, I have some, I have a, a little booklet here and Chelsea and I both are very hooked on Wise Traditions yes. podcast and just their whole method, the whole um, foundation. Uh, everything yeah. about them. And her and I, like I said, when we find something, boy, we uh, <laughs> we get on it and we dig deep and we join everything and order everything. My husband said the other day, he's like, where'd you hear that, Carla? And I'm like, no, I learned it myself. What are you talking about? Yeah. So we are kind of funny about that, but it's the Weston A. Price Foundation. And... Um, um, I joined the Austin chapter, but they sent a book. It's such good timing. Mm -hmm. And so as you're talking about this raw milk, um, one of the things that they were saying is um, that the conditions that the cows, back when they said that raw milk was um, causing all these illnesses, that it was back in the day where it was just cesspools of manure and grime. Um, it said crowded housing mm -hmm. uh, without running water and refrigeration and and sanitation mm. and everything was blamed on the raw milk instead of the unsanitary conditions mm -hmm. and and the filth that these cows were living in and um just just the way that they were being raised and i think that makes such a difference and i love that they um they talk about that um and just so you know i didn't even read that or know that this is just my understanding from i yeah. guess a common sense aspect like right. they're pasteurizing it because this is a danger quote unquote yeah. um to people but really think of the environment that these large scale dairies have um it's just it's it's no comparison yeah to yeah and it it's like well why not instead of um why not make the conditions better Instead of pasteurizing, why not make the conditions better um, that they're living in mm -hmm. um, for the cows? And Okay, so what else on raw milk? What else did yeah. you want to share on that? I have a lot on raw milk. I feel like this is one of the things that I love the most. My husband is actually lactose intolerant, and from the day I met him, this guy loves his ice cream. And so, sorry <laughs> to put you on blast, honey, but um, <laughs> it was pretty rough after he'd eat some ice cream for him. And so when we got that raw milk, I mean, he loves his you know cereal and... He loves his ice cream. I've been able to make him homemade ice cream, uh, and it does not hurt his stomach at all. Um, one of my favorite facts about raw milk is that it has uh, the casein protein, the A2 casein protein, um, which a lot of people who have lactose intolerance can actually digest it a lot better. And it is the same uh, casein protein that is predominantly carried in human breast milk. So it's very similar to human breast milk. I did not know that. Yeah. That is so cool. Wow. And so it's, I mean, it's just so healthy for us to, to drink. It's got so much nutrients in it, detoxifies. It's rich in calcium for your bone health, especially as we age. 
age as men yeah. and women. You know, bone health is so important. Um, it's rich in vitamin D and uh, A and E and K, which is so good for our blood, our vision, and just our cells in general. And so when you go through the process of pasteurization, all of those nutrients become destroyed. They do not exist anymore in that milk. And so what are you drinking it for? Like what is the actual benefit you're getting from that? Yeah, It's just not there anymore. And so the purpose of why you are consuming an animal fat like that has been completely removed. Um, and it's just, it's so good for our, our health and our, and our wellness. Well, and while you're talking about that, you know, in the heating, um, and what they do for the pasteurization and most milk in your stores is ultra pasteurized. Mm. And that means they take it to 280 degrees Fahrenheit. Scalding. And yeah, and it says most, and that's boiling is 212 degrees. So ultra pasteurization takes it to 280. Mm -hmm. And there's four different techniques, but it says it causes oxidative damage to the milk proteins, which results in various degrees of redox state imbalance and oxidative damage in plasma, liver, and brain tissues. Mm. I mean, just... Like what is left of that milk when you when you take it to such a high degree of heat? Mm-hmm. Um, it just it's going to break down all of it. And you're changing it from its natural state. Like there is a purpose for those nutrients in that milk, right? Yeah. And now you've changed that purpose through this pasteurization. So what? what then are you left with? And what is that doing to your body? If those nutrients have been removed, it totally changes like the chemical makeup of it. Right. And and so is there a negative effect on drinking that milk now? We, I mean, I don't personally know, but. Well, and even from these studies in here, and I mean, they have everything in here backed up Mm -hmm. with um, all the. Resources. Resources. Yep, exactly. And um, how people that switched from the pasteurized milk and went to raw milk see less asthma and respiratory infections, fewer allergies, eczema, rashes. Mm -hmm. And it even talks about um, the fact of things like osteoporosis. I always have a hard time with that word. Osteoporosis. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Um, How when they started drinking the raw milk, that their bone density tests improved. Wow. And that a lot of people can enjoy raw milk but can't tolerate the pasteurized milk. And I mean, the, the raw milk, and I know you've probably looked up a lot of the benefits too, but I mean, mm-hmm. even just all of that, but also it, it really is true in the fact of building stronger bones and stronger teeth. And I yeah. mean, even straighter brain teeth, they've even done studies, Weston A. Price, the man who created the foundation that um, is the podcast we listen to, Wise Traditions, got to plug them for all this I, information. I will, I will so put great. them in our show notes. Um, they... The doctor, or the dent, he was a dentist, and he went around studying all these different tribal communities and how their health and wellness was, and even so much so as their teeth had changed from their original traditional diet when they started eating a more processed diet, a more Americanized diet. Mm. Um, how their teeth were very crooked and unstraight, and uh, their palates were formed sep- like differently uh, because of the processing that you go through when you start eating a more civilized diet than just your traditional diet. And so he started looking more into that. I mean, that's really the basis of where his, this foundation kind of comes from. Yeah, and they do have a um, website that you can go to and find all this information and so much more. And Chelsea and I have no affiliation with them. No, we just we, love them. Yes, we, we love just, you guys. If yeah. Never hear this. <laughs> we we do, and um, they have real milk 
realmilk.com. Mm-hmm. Real milk. Why am I having trouble with that word too? Realmilk.com. Uh, thank you. Um, and they on there also list over 3,000 places you can get raw milk in mm-hmm. the United States because it's a huge demand now. Yeah. And people are learning more and more about it. And um, um, it talks about right here about the truth is pasteurization um, lets the industry get away with raising cows in filthy, crowded conditions, but it doesn't make milk any safer and it ruins nature's perfect food. Mm-hmm. It says we have the technology to produce clean, raw milk, stainless steel, rapid cooling, on farm testing, an efficient nationwide cold chain, and get it to every growing child in the country. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so good for the development of children, Yeah, especially with the bones and the teeth. Um, one thing that I would recommend to your listeners is finding a herd share in their local community. A herd share is an agreement that a consumer pays a farmer a fee for boarding a cow there. Um, so essentially, you own a share of that cow Uh, just like an arrangement of owning a share in a racehorse. Um, And so you're paying for the care of the animal and the milking of the cow, and then the uh, you you being the herd share owner then obtains the milk. Not You do not purchase it per se, but you obtain it. Um, And so for my lady, I pay a jar deposit for my jar, and then I go and pick up my milk on a weekly basis, but I pay her a herd share. So essentially it goes to feeding her cow and taking care of her cow and the work she puts in to milk her cow. And I never... I mean, I didn't know anything about this. Remember you told me you have to get a herd share. I'm like, what is it? Well, what do I do? What is that? Yeah. And it, it all seems overwhelming, but it's really not. And if, if you, um, you definitely want to look for good, reputable, um, um, dairy, I guess, dairy owners. Dairy, yeah. And I mean, go visit their places where they have them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's good to see where you're getting, um, the milk from and mm-hmm. most should be open to you coming out and seeing mm-hmm. but when I started learning more and more on the herd share so let me ask you did you have you found any info what if they don't have a herd share does that yeah matter? I have an idea um it, you know I mean it does because there's legalities that would that would there's liabilities right the government does not want somebody giving away milk because there are laws in place for pasteurization of milk so that's why the herd share exists yeah it's kind of like a loophole essentially for right. them to be able to give you this nutrient dense milk because I've noticed some um, that I have an found it on their website where you have to get a herd share Mm -hmm. like you can just pre-order the 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 milk yeah Yeah. so and so that's them essentially having a contract with you that you're buying a share of their cow yeah and you're you're paying for um the care of that animal yeah so that's what the herd share is um if you are looking for someone like if you go to realmilk.com and you don't find anybody like local to you and you're trying to find raw milk Um, the best advice that I could give to you would be to seek out your local farmer's markets. There's a ton, um, around, you know, most major cities. Um, we, I mean, we've got at least like eight or nine in just the Austin area uh, alone, but seek out your local farmer's market, go to those grass fed beef, you know, vendors, go to those pork vendors and ask them, do you know anybody that has raw milk? I'm really interested in finding this raw milk. Um, and generally, they know each other. Yeah. You know. Well, and I was going to say, I've even found that there are several of them that um, may have poultry and beef 
and raw milk mm-hmm. and I mean you know depending how big that that local farmer is right um, a lot of them do have um, several of the the options versus just one thing right um, but yeah on the farmers markets um, that is something that I've definitely have uh, dug into and again where Chelsea shared a whole note section where we've uh, mapped out every farmer's market (laughs) (laughs) in and around Austin, Texas. Um, But it's been so fun to go to different ones and meet the different people and see Mm -hmm. who's growing what and where and just talking to them. I mean, how much more fun is that than just going to the grocery store and grabbing that chicken out of the case? You I know? mean, I have not really grocery shopped in months because I've really made it a priority to know who I'm sourcing my food from. You know, are you doing organic practices? Is your beef, you know, grass fed and grass finished? Is it grass fed grain finished? Are you completely feeding them grain? You know, is that grain sprayed with pesticides? (laughs) These are just things that, you know, I never ever thought about before. I just was like beef, you know, that's the ground beef. Here we go. Um, and so, really looking into because these things just negatively affect our health so much in in so many ways i mean that we are the sickest we've ever been in our country and it's because of our food and it's because of our our air and our Mm -hmm. water and i want to make the i want to strive for progress not do perfection but these things are just important and i want to know who's making my food and where it's coming from well and if you go um to the grocery store and i was able to do this i had some chicken i had already bought at home um and i you know i buy the the quote unquote good chicken at the store Mm -hmm. organic and all that and when i compared that to the chicken that i got at the farmer's market it was unbelievable the difference in the color texture everything and definitely the taste Mm -hmm. um the one from the farmer's market the local was so good and i don't see me going to the store and buying regular uh chicken anymore and especially once you do know how they're growing it and it is important to ask the thing that you pointed out it is important to ask them because it's not such a bad thing if they are finishing with some grain like with their chicken or their beef or whatever it's just a matter of okay if you're finishing with that um where where are you getting it is that organic grain what's in it right uh does it have corn or soy or gmos or any of that right and also the grass when everywhere they say grass fed well what are you putting on your grass are you spraying it with pesticides or you know what is grass, it a native-grown grass? Exactly. Is it being shipped in? Yeah. Are you getting it from somewhere? Like, where is that? It, it, these things you would never think of, but they affect the diet and the health of the animal so much. And it's like we're eating sick animals when we shop at the grocery right. store. We're eating animals who are sick. Just think well, about that. And it's, I think, you know, marketing scary. is really good, and anyone can market a grass-fed, grass-finished product but and i learned a lot of this too from my husband if you're not asking the right questions and if you're not asking about that grass there we know in texas we've been in a drought yeah you can't say you're only feeding grass because how yeah when no one has any grass right now right um and so i think that's why it's important to ask the questions and do your own research and become knowledgeable in it Mm -hmm. versus just going off what what you might have heard is good um, and it's, 
I always say it in everything on being your own health advocate is really digging in and learning for yourself. And I think that's where Chelsea and I both nerd out because we both, I mean, I've got this book in front of me with all my highlights. And (laughs) (laughs) what I think what scares a lot of people is the price, right? You feel like you're going to spend more money on this beef, on this pork, on this milk than you would pay at the grocery store. And there's a reason it's your, your health. And if you think about it in the long term, if what you're eating is going to make you sick long term, you're going to pay that money anyways on your health care. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of people don't think about, well, if I'm, I'm paying a little more here, but yet it's keeping me from those doctor's offices, it's keeping me from putting so many toxins and chemicals in my body, then, you know, why wouldn't I rather do it on this side? And like I said, and maybe I'm just, I'm just a nerd, but I have found it fun and fascinating mm-hmm. and I love learning and, and it, meeting them yes meeting, these people. meeting the they're people so friendly chatting in there's something about it that just makes me feel good that I'm supporting someone local mm-hmm. and that I feel like it is like we said going back to a traditional way of life mm-hmm. and I'm not just ordering my groceries from the grocery store and don't get me wrong I still go to the store for some things yeah but for a lot of my stuff and even some of the skincare stuff, um, I much rather go to these farmers markets and and support them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, anything else on raw milk? No, that you I think to we're add? good on raw milk. Um, <laughs> but I highly encourage everyone because, like I said, I'm not a milk drinker, but now I do buy it, and I don't have issues with it. And I buy the uh, yogurt made with the A2, um, and I'm hoping to eventually get some cottage cheese yeah that's what I really want with the A2 but yeah uh, I just I highly encourage everyone to give it a try absolutely all right moving forward um what what what's next on Chelsea's um well le- after, learning list <laughs> after uh starting on my journey with the raw milk I also had a friend who gifted me a sourdough starter so I started learning more about that and this journey has been a lot longer, harder process <laughs> because I'm making this bread myself and you got to take care of it like it's a newborn baby and I've had a newborn baby at the same time. So it is, uh, it is an experience, but I'm finally getting it down to um, perfection in, in, my, in my opinion. But. And so what, what has made you want to make your own bread? So looking at ingredients, I mean, I feel like I'm just a label reader now and I'm like, what's in this? If I can't (laughs) pronounce it or I don't know what it is, that's concerning, right? And I don't want to put that in my body. So looking at a bread packaging, I mean, go grab yours and look right now. You're going to be like, what is this stuff? What is in this? And there's only three ingredients in sourdough bread. It's flour, water, and salt. And um, it's a fermented grain. So it's really good for your gut bacteria. Eating fermented foods is another traditional uh, way of life. Um, I mean, sourdough bread goes back to three, I think 3000 BC. Egyptians and Greeks ate it. I mean, it was something they just had access to and you really don't need much but some, you know, wood burning stove to cook it, so. So what about for people that do have issues with wheat and gluten and, and things like that? Because I would be one of those people and um, because I've heard so many things that a lot of people can t- tolerate um, the sourdough, um, even if they can't tolerate 
um, regular bread. So the it does depend on what flour people are using. That is super important. If it's an enriched flour, a bleached flour, it, it's not good. It's not a good process um, to use. Uh, unenriched, unbleached, organic, whole grain, you know, sourdough is going to be your best bet. Um, making it yourself so you know what's in it is going to be your best bet too. Uh, it's super easy once you get the hang of it. It just takes a little while. <laughs> um, but people who have gluten intolerance do um, have an easier time digesting it because essentially the uh, sourdough has a lactoacid bacteria and it breaks down the gluten during that cold fermentation. Your last phase before you bake the bread is a cold like bulk fermentation, I guess they call it. And during that process, the, the little enzymes in there, the little bacteria in there eat up the gluten. So it doesn't actually have as much gluten as you would find in like mm -hmm. a regular store-bought bread. So I guess that. that's part of the, the fermentation process. I mean, like kind of like eating fermented foods. Is yep. that, yeah, same Like you would thing. soak in like yeah. a fermented, like you would allow yeah. that food to create its own fermentation. The same thing with the bread. Um, yeah. During that last fermentation, it's really eating up a lot of that gluten. So it doesn't technically have the same amount of gluten as when you first started yeah. mixing that flour into your sourdough starter in your water. Yeah. Well, and not to mention, you know, people that do have issues, it might not even have to do so much with the wheat or gluten, mm -hmm. but the tons of other things that are in it exactly <laughs> i mean i mean really. there's so many other things that it could be but yet maybe we just go ahead and blame it on wheat and gluten you know well, what happens with that wheat in at least in america is they process that wheat in a way that completely destroys the nutrients again i mean here right. we are destroys the nutrients they've been spraying it with pesticides so it's got ke chemicals in it it's got poison in it and then uh they go through they process it, it removes all those nutrients so what's the like positive of this product then they have to enrich it with vitamins so they have yeah. to put vitamins back into that into that flour yeah. so that it has some sort of nutrient density to it um, and that's just not the original form I mean we're just not eating it in its original form and that's why it's causing so many issues yeah. for people I think anything that says enriched mm. you don't want to buy it and I've learned a lot about that lately because it, they're adding folic acid oh. um, to your products and you do not want that folic acid in your body it's just another poison and so like enriched rice if you look at rice bags most of them will say enriched yeah and, and we um, never think twice about no those things. and enriched bread cereals um cereals i say cereal <laughs> i know jake and mary grace if they're listening are laughing right now um <laughs> but almost everyone if you look on the boxes if it's not an organic Enrique, enriched wheat flour it, you, that is what you'll read probably oh, the first ingredient and not to mention a million other things yeah. in it but yeah you don't want anything that says enriched but yeah um i mean just, a lot of bread say enriched yeah yeah um, well, I think I, I'm not ready to conquer the sourdough beast yet. Um, I'll make I, I, Yes, I'm just going <laughs> to count on you. And I've almost uh, got it perfected, so now I can make two loaves at yeah, once, you yeah. know? Well, you made, <laughs> Becoming me, a, you made me that rye one. I did. That was really good. I had someone gift me a rye sourdough starter, which yeah. I was like, whoa, this is so cool, but I haven't even gotten regular town yet. <laughs> so I do actually need to feed the rye sourdough starter But tonight. I do love that you're doing that. <laughs> and um, I do think it's another way and it seems to be a craze with a lot of people doing it. I'm seeing so many more classes on it and um, people doing things to um, 
make their own sourdough. So I don't think we're the only ones jumping on this. Oh, no, again. it's <laughs> everywhere. Everyone's making sourdough. Yeah. I think it started during 2020 when yeah. everyone was stuck is at home. That it? Everyone yeah. started making their own sourdough. And you know, what's really cool is people are making other things now with sourdough. They're making sourdough cookies. They're making sourdough yes. scones. They're making sourdough pizza. I mean, I made my own pizza a couple weeks ago and it was so good. Yeah. Um, but just to go into some of the health benefits of sourdough bread, um, I did a little research before this so that I could have this prepared. Um, it is very high in fiber, healthy for your gut bacteria. It can help people um, digest more. The fermented grain-based products like sourdough have been shown to have antioxidant, antihypertensive, anti-diabetic, and digestion-resistant bacteria-reducing qualities. I know that sounds crazy, but when I heard that, I was like, digestion-resistant bacteria-reducing. Mm. So these people who are having gluten, in, in, um, I don't know if it's called sensitivities or intolerance, um, what type of gluten were you eating that you were mm -hmm. having this intolerance to? Did mm -hmm. it have these healthy portions to it and, yeah. and I think that's really why people well, and I are... think I think that's where my wake-up call has been and a lot of it you know as I was saying that a minute ago I think maybe the blame goes on uh, on the gluten but yet okay turn over that whatever package of tortillas what's in that mm -hmm. and when you read all that stuff well it, it's sure not going to have the benefits like what you just read right you know right um so that's really cool yeah, Any? love sourdough mm. with some grass-fed butter. Yeah, <laughs> whip yeah. me up some honey on top. Uh -huh, yeah. Oh, some good local honey. That's a dessert right there. <laughs> um, okay, anything else on sourdough? Um, no. Um, all right. Next on Chelsea's learning list, <laughs> what, um, what have you got for us? Ooh, and you and I can talk a lot about this one because I made you some bone yeah. broth. Yes, yeah. Um, and we learned a lot in that process too because yes. I had only made it one time previous to that and I had bought some marrow bones from a local farmer at the farmer's market and uh, she sold me fat and she sold me bones, which was really awesome. And she just had, you know, the clippings from her cows. And so I wanted to make my own bone broth because I'd seen so much um, good nutrients for infants um, because of the gelatinous like mm -hmm. collagen that comes on the top of your bone broth when you make it, like a meat stock essentially. Yeah. Um, and so my marrow bones looked so different from the ones Carla brought to me at work. And now I know the difference too. <laughs> she brought me soup bones, which had like a small marrow bone in the center, but a lot of meat on them. And so that ended up making a less gelatinous but uh, still nutrient-dense yeah. bone broth. Um, and so I've just really been learning a lot about bone broth lately, too. Well, and bone broth, you know, when I used to buy it at the store, um, and I've learned so much since I would just go pick up, I always, I still bought organic, but you really have to look at the ingredients there, too, because mm -hmm. a lot of them, if you look, the first ingredient's water, mm -hmm. um, or there's a tons of other stuff in them you don't need. And when there or was... sugar. Yeah. And sugar. The, sugar. And there were some I looked at, the protein content was like literally nothing. And I'm like, well, why is that? And I, it was like, because it had 40 other ingredients, mm. you know, before it actually had the chicken or right. the beef. And so I, I started learning more about the importance of if you are going to purchase it, you really need to look at the labels. Mm -hmm. And then when you're buying the really good stuff at the store, 
it's not cheap. No. And yet it's cheap to make it at it's home. It's so Let me tell easy you. to make it. So tell yeah. I me, mean, kind of tell that process how so, you make it. Yeah. Um. So the bones that I bought from this lady, I mean, they're huge, like joint bones, essentially, yeah. with lots of marrow in them, which I then strain out that marrow at the end, and I actually feed that to my son, and he loves it. Loves eating the marrow. Um. But I use more of those joint bones because they do have so much of that that dense. There's not really a lot of meat or tissue on them at all. And before you move from that, because people are probably going, wait, what did she just say? She feeds her baby the marrow. What the heck cooked. is that? It's cooked. Yeah. And <laughs> marrow is, I don't even actually well, know. Well, so it's, I mean, I don't, I don't know the technical either, but like in the bone, you'll see... Um, it's like the blood, gelatinous blood that's in, yeah. I mean, it's in every, I think, animal. I, I could bones. look it up probably, but, <laughs> but what I guess if someone's listening and, and they're going, I don't understand why, why would you eat the marrow? Why do you feed it to Slade? Like, I am assuming there's a lot of gazillion, collagen in it. Yeah. Um, a lot of calcium, magnesium, and phosphorus, uh, that's in the connective tissue in the joints. Yeah. So it's yeah. just, it's really good for, um. I think just like building blocks of proteins for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. So I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, <laughs> so, okay. You're, you have the, the bones that oh, you're yeah, going to... Oh, yes. So I, I personally like to source those marrow bones. Um, and then what I'll do is I have a big stainless steel stock pot that I got at, I think, Costco or something like that. And I put the bones in there. And these bones are like $4 a pound from my farmer. At yeah. the farmer's market. And is that the only place people can get them? Like farmer's um, market? Can you go to a butcher or... I haven't done that, so I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Call them and ask I'm, them. I'm I mean, it doesn't sure hurt. If, if, hey, do you have any marrow bones like yeah. that you guys just throw out? Love to pick them up. I mean, you can make a lot from just, you know, three pounds of bones. Yeah. You can make a lot of bone broth yeah. from it. Again, I would think that it matters the quality, though. Absolutely. Again. I mean, I'm buying them from a grass-fed, right. grass, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um farmer have yeah. a local farmer yeah. local farmers market but you could ask those questions to your butcher too and mm -hmm. just see you know, what do you know about it if if they act like they don't or they're confused they probably aren't sourcing it <laughs> yeah. the best way because you know when you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I get that big stock pot I put the bones in there I cover them with uh water and then I put in a little bit of apple cider vinegar maybe just like a capful or a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar and that kind of helps to pull out some of the nutrients kind of like prime that um, tissue in there mm -hmm. to before you start the heating process of it um, and so for 30 minutes I soak that and then I'll chop up carrots celery uh, onion parsley I'll put that all in there and you really don't even have to worry about the skins on everything like just put it all in there you know yeah. rinds and all or whatever because all those nutrients that are in like the skin of the onion too, I mean, you're going to get that in your bone broth and it's going to get strained out at the end. So you're not going to be chewing on that stuff. So, yeah. um, and then I really boil it for like eight to 16 hours and then I'll take it off. Sometimes I'll even keep adding water. If I see it's getting lower than the bones, I'll add a little bit more water each time. Um, but boil it for eight to 16 hours. Um, there's not really like a set time. I think a minimum of eight is really good. And it really just helps to pull all of those nutrients out of those bones. Is that something you could do in a crock pot too? Yeah, or you could crock pot it. Instant pot? Absolutely. Or, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm sure you could find a, a, a recipe for yeah. that on I, Pinterest. I would imagine. I mean, as you were think, <laughs> saying that, I was imagining you can probably do that. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, for me, I'd like, you know. My, Set it my, and forget it. 
Exactly. My stove yeah. works off propane, and you know, uh, um, Bubba the propane guy would really like that bill. Now I'm... you got me thinking because mine's uh, also <laughs> gas, and I did not think about that. So if you're I running it that do long, it on I mean, it's not a huge amount, but it just yeah, but it's yeah, very low. I mean, you turn it up to boiling, and yeah. then you set it. So really same low. kind of thing if you want to yep. do crock pot or instant pot. Okay. Yeah, you can definitely do it in your crock pot. Though. Okay, so instant then... pot I wouldn't do, but. Then after that, what happens once you've done it for that long? Um, I'll let it cool and then I'll strain it through a large strainer first into a giant bowl. Um, use a large strainer to get out all the carrots and you know all that stuff. And then I'll do it through a smaller strainer, um, like a you know uh -huh. you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like I don't know the word. <laughs> Small. Small strainer. Um, and I give the bones to my dogs to chew on. You know after I take the marrow out, I give the bones to my dog, and then I will store it and I'll let it cool obviously, and I'll store it in a big um, like a mason jar, big glass mason jar. Let it sit in the fridge for a little bit until it gets to, you know, cold temperature. And then what I really like to do, I've got these silicone molds. Yeah. And I'll pour it into the silicone molds and I'll freeze them and put them in a Ziploc bag. So that way I can just pop them out and throw them in whatever recipes I'm making. And it yeah. just adds all those nutrients and, you know, health benefits to whatever I'm cooking. Whether, if it calls for stock, if it calls for broth, I'll throw in some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you had made me... Um some and I did I went and got some molds and it was funny the only ones I could find were um Easter ones so I have little molds <laughs> with little bunnies and butterflies and it's actually pretty cute because I'm like well why not that's kind of fun yeah um but I did and that's so easy because you just freeze it and then it's ready or if you just want to um thaw one and I love to just take them and put in a coffee cup and sip it I yeah, mean sipping broth is what they call it it's mm -hmm. it's just uh Especially like when you're sick. My mom recently was sick and I was just like, mom, just sip on that bone broth, you know, yeah. um, and help build, build your immune system with all the nutrients and yeah. Yeah. Cause it's got that calcium, magnesium, which is so important for our bodies. Um, and it, it provides our body with natural compounds from the cartilage and the bones yeah. too, like collagen. I mean, we're all about collagen right now in the mm -hmm. world, right? Like, where are we getting collagen? If you're getting it from a powder, it's not doing you any good. Your body does not absorb that collagen. Like, we really we really need to get it from an animal source, like, directly. And this is the best way for you to get collagen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not hard. It's not. I, I mean, I think I've always thought it was difficult. Like, you had to go through this big process. Yeah. And then I'm like... Well, wait, you mean you just throw that stuff in there and that's it? Set it and forget I, it. I think maybe for most people, maybe the hard for them would be, well, where do I get these bones? Sourcing them. You know, yeah. so I think that's it. But if you start going to these farmer's markets, mm -hmm. you'll notice when you go to most of the booths, it'll say sold out, sold out, sold on out bones. on all the bones because yeah. people are going and getting uh, the bones to make their own stuff. I also have another resource for finding things like this. So if you need to figure out where your local farmer's market is, there is a website called localharvest.org, and it's a really great way to seek out local farmers um, and also look for CSAs. I don't know exactly what that stands for, but I know it's like a community. It's community. Um, I know, and I just got something in an email from one of them, but it is. It's a community type, like you can... Um, community sharing, I don't know. Yeah, so, and I, you can go to get your fruits and vegetables, yeah. a lot of CSAs, but you can also do it for milk and, and meat and yeah. stuff like that They'll too. usually have those. I, I did it once, and I went to pick it up, and it was a big box filled with whatever veggies and fruits were in season at that time, and it was really pretty nice. cool. 
and so you get that stuff and then you it's it's not like you're going to the store with a certain thing in mind you're mm -hmm. going and going okay cool what could i do with yeah. this cabbage and these leeks and this and i think that's kind of fun too when you go yeah. and, and then you just kind of make different it's it's made me go make different things because I'm picking up what's available. Yeah, I um, on Sunday last week, not yesterday, um, I went to a local farmer's market in Austin and I got a bone-in chuck roast. And it was beautiful. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen one look like this at the grocery store. Uh -huh. And this is the first time I bought one at the farmer's market. And so I was like, I'm going to make a pot roast. So, of course, potatoes aren't in season, so I couldn't get any potatoes there. I did end up going to the store to get some organic potatoes. But I bought carrots there, and I bought mushrooms, and I bought, um, I think I bought some celery. And made this this in the crock pot like you know you set it yeah. and forget it put it on in the morning and I don't think I've ever had a more delicious pot roast yeah. ever it, yeah. it was so good and it was really cool to think like oh this was grown like right yeah in my neighborhood mm -hmm. you know yeah that is what is the best part since um you know my husband does we raise our own beef and it, it's just it's changed our world so I could never go back yeah um, but um Okay, well, let's see. Is that every, what else on bone broth? Anything yeah, else? Yeah, I do have a little bit more health benefits for yeah, people. So sure. cooking the collagen turns it into a gelatin. Um, why you'll see on the top of the broth after you make it, it'll be very jiggly and thick. Mm -hmm. You'll kind of see it separate. Um, and that gelatin or collagen is um, great. It provides the body with amino acids, which are building blocks of proteins. It also contains iron, vitamins A and K, fatty acids, selenium, zinc, manganese, and can help reduce inflammation and heal the gut. So a lot of people with gut issues in our society today, it helps strengthen our bones, can help prevent arthritis, which I already have at 30, mm -hmm. 31 years old, uh, while also improving sleep and weight loss for people. So that's the jelly stuff at top. I'm sure everybody knows what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Like the meat stock gelatin. So you take kind of that top. and separate it off of the rest? I don't. I will actually mix it back in before I freeze it. Okay. So it's kind of mixed in with that broth altogether. Okay. So each one of my little frozen molds has some in it. Okay. But you can. You can take it off the top and eat it. I mean, or cook it in something. Well, I was wondering, can I lather it on my face? Um, <laughs> so you'll actually get three different layers. The first layer will be tallow. Okay. The second layer will be that gelatin collagen. And then the third layer is more of like the liquid, the yeah. water. With well, all the, that's so like, cool flavor in it yeah uh-huh so you could do that first fat layer that tallow layer mm -hmm. you could put that on your skin absolutely well because that first tallow layer i took it off before i poured the broth you gave me into the molds oh nice and then i used it i cooked with it and yeah. did stuff with it yeah but, um yeah i mean i was kind of joking about it on your face but why wouldn't you yeah i you mean know? that's what was skincare right back in you right. know, the 1800s and 1800s yeah. that's Early 1900s. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm technically born in the 1900s, yeah. but... <laughs> uh, kids um, today. <laughs> I love all that. Um, okay, anything else? No, not with bone that? broth, but that does kind of lead us into tallow. It does, because since we were just talking about tallow, because that's, that's something I have been so intrigued by. And again, I knew nothing about it before. Yeah. Um, and now I'm a, I'm a tallow fan. Yeah, and it's it's wild because we're told, like, oh, oil, just cook with some oil. So, you know, you go to the store and vegetable oil, canola oil, olive oil, avocado oil, like, what am I supposed to use? And I don't think... A lot of people understand the dangers of seed oils. And I'm not saying olive oil and avocado oil are bad for you. Those are the better oils if you are mm -hmm. going to go to the grocery store and buy an oil. But 
the best and the most traditional way of cooking is with fat from an animal. And whether that be tallow, which is from cows, or lard, which is from pigs, um, it's a great way to cook your eggs, saute your vegetables, um, bake with it. I mean, it's got a very high smoke point and it's got so much nutrients in it too. Would you rate like the grass-fed butter up there with that too? Grass-fed butter, I love cooking with grass-fed yeah. butter too. Yeah. yeah. It um, just depends on what I'm making. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, there's so much that has come out on seed oils now that hopefully most people have learned about it, but I know... If you're eating in restaurants or fast food, you're you eating are seed eating oils. seed oils. Mm -hmm. And I've heard some really interesting things about it even more recently and how long, like, because you can't always avoid them. Right. But how long it stays in your body. So if you go to a restaurant and you ate a full meal, vegetables, steak, everything was cooked in canola oil, it stays for weeks in your body because it doesn't know what to do. And that just really, I mean, blew my mind that even though I may only do it occasionally, what is it doing inside? And some people are probably saying, gosh, we can't avoid everything. Right. But it's... Do it's, the best with what you have. Exactly. And what you know. Exactly. And it's it's all the little things that add up and add up and add up and add up. And Absolutely. If, I, I think you had made a list of that. I thought I remembered seeing that. Yeah, it adds and up. When when you go, but I'm only doing this or I'm only doing that. But then when you start going through your I'm only doing this and that, it keeps going on and on. Yeah. And so the oils have been a, a huge thing for me. And... There was a time if someone would have told me to cook with lard, I would have been going, are you insane? Because you hear lard, and, and which is pig fat, and right. you hear like, oh my God, lard, that's terrible for yeah. you. Yeah. And what I what always came to mind for me was Crisco, which Crisco yes. is not lard. Yeah. Crisco is a crystallized vegetable oil. Yeah. And a veg vegetable oil has no vegetables in it. There are no, vegetables are not used. It is cotton seed. They process the cotton. Take, they had all these seeds that were left over, and this is how they started to create vegetable oil. They um, pressed it into an oil, and it was black. They process it like they do engine oil, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And it was black, so then they bleached it so that it wouldn't scare people, because who wants to cook with a black oil, right? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be terrifying. You'd be like, this looks like sludge. You know, what is this? Yeah. And so it's just, it's, it's terrifying the process that they but it's cheap to make. That's they had exactly it all, they it. had it there anyways cuz they were processing mm -hmm. the cotton. How can we use all this seed that we've got built up to, you know, make a product? And if you look at ingredients in chips, if you look at ingredients in cookies, like there's sunflower, safflower, canola, vegetable. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all in there and it is just not good for your Well, health. it's all so highly processed and um and filled with chemicals and Mm -hmm. um, just the way that it is done. So when you think about the tallow and you think about the lard and grass-fed butter, I mean, that's all it is. Well, and people get worried about like cholesterol. Oh, it's high in cholesterol. We need cholesterol. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's good cholesterol too. Yes. And those things, you'll, you'll see a reduction in like disease. Yes. In, in obesity, 
uh, diabetes, you know, heart issues when you're eating these healthy fats because they're actually heart healthy. Yeah. Cheerios are not. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the box says they are. They are not. You they know? are not. So tallow, what is the tallow? Yeah, tallow, um, it is essentially the fat trimmings. I think it comes, and I'm not the best um Yeah, Chelsea and I, are, we, we are not professionals. <laughs> Chelsea yes. and I are going by what we have learned. So if there's anything you have questions on, go, go dig deep and yes. find out for yourself. Yes. But we are just sharing the our excitement of what we've learned yes. and want to pass it on to others. Absolutely. And so tallow, I actually first heard it um, at the farmer's market. I saw this group there and it was, I, I think they're a husband and wife. I'm not 100% sure, um, but they make their own tallow and loved their aesthetic of their company. It is really, really cool um, and, you know, definitely goes with like, traditional, mm -hmm. you know, uh, life and living. And they created this tallow, I mean, and they sell it to, they sell it as skincare and they sell it as a cooking fat. And I asked her, I said, I have a ton of beef fat trimmings from a brisket that we made. And I know I want to melt it down into tallow. Can you tell me how to make it? And she was so helpful. She told me exactly what to do. Like she wasn't gatekeeping her secrets mm -hmm. or anything. She said, you know, put it in a big pot by itself and just cook it until it becomes crispy. Like until you can take those crispy pieces out and and then let it cool and it will harden and it is the most beautiful thing. And I cook with it as fat. So you, from a brisket, you had already cooked. Yep. Do you know how many times I could have done that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you buy a brisket and there's a huge yeah. layer of fat on it that you got to take off because, I mean, you're not going to yeah. eat that fat. Or like even steaks, yeah. you know, you make right. a steak and there's an excess piece of fat and you cut it off and you toss it in the trash. I mean, that is... Wow. Gold, liquid wow. gold, literally, yeah. that you can cook your food in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you just render it down into, just like when, when you're When you cooking say render, bacon. what does render mean to someone that Re doesn't know? Okay, rendering is to process it essentially by cooking it down. So you're putting it as like this, you know, slimy fat into a pot and you're cooking it on low, letting it crackle until it becomes like an oil. Let's say a great example, when you're making bacon, you make bacon, the fat comes off of it into a liquid grease and mm -hmm. then it hardens in your pan. That's the same thing. You're rendering fat. You can save your bacon grease yeah. and strain it out yeah. and keep that and cook with that lard. Yeah. Which I used to think was so gross. Yeah. And I mean, but grandmother, great grandmothers, they all did it. And my husband would listen to this one now going, I knew one day she'd come around on my side <laughs> on something. But, you know, I mean, he always would be yeah. like, we could cook with that, yep. that bacon fat. And I'd be yep. like, you put that in the trash. Yeah, That's my gross. grandma used to put it in like a yeah. Folgers can, I'm yes. pretty sure. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and it, I made it last night. I mean, yeah. we we had a Cuban chicken and I used the, the lard to sear my chicken in yeah. and then I made like a sauteed cabbage you know uh, red bell pepper and I used tallow for that one because I didn't yeah. want that same flavor profile mm -hmm. because they do taste different yeah I mean pork has a different taste than beef and I think that it's more salty tasting and so I wanted my chicken to have that flavor but I didn't want my vegetables to have that yeah. flavor so it's yeah. really it's really nice because you can have multiple options for what you're trying to cook with yeah I love it so what have you found are benefits of um like benefits of tallow. I mean, I know we've talked about a lot of it. Like I bought from the same company you're talking about, um, and I promoted them last week in my podcast. On, oh yeah, on one of my favorites. You just gotta have them on. Yeah, I know. Well, it's <laughs> we gotta the, hassle it's them. It's in the works. Um, <laughs> but they are called the Ungovernable 
project. It's yeah. another word I have trouble with. Yeah. Ungovernable project. Ungovernable. And um, I bought some of their tallow body cream mm. and their lip balm. Did you see they're coming out with a new scent? Yes, I did. I saw that. And it's I like saw they're working on candles. Sickle. Candles, too. Ugh. Um, buy it all <laughs> but I I absolutely love it and the way it feels on my skin yeah. too and your skin probably absorbs it a lot better than some of these mm -hmm. oils that you just sit on top and you're like why am I so greasy yeah yeah you know? yeah um so I mean the benefits in that is my skin feels great you know yeah and and it's not it's not filled with a but it had frankincense myrrh the mm. one I bought okay which are incredible you not know. overpowering yeah yeah so I know that just the main benefits of it are the fat soluble vitamins the yeah. D E A and K which is good for blood and your cells and your bones I mean yeah. same thing with what you're getting from all the, I mean, all these things, mm -hmm. you know, your raw milk, your, your fat and your, um, bone broth, you're getting those nutrients that you can really only get from animals. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love it. Um, what else would you add to all of this? Is there anything that we've missed that? I would just say, you know, you're striving for progress and not perfection. I know these things can be very overwhelming if you don't know where to start and where to look. Um, just start going to your local farmer's market and just see what people have and ask mm -hmm. them questions and be curious. You don't have to change it all overnight. My husband says it best to me because I get so consumed sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, and this, and we got to do this. And he's like, okay, this is a very big ship and it's got to turn. Yeah. A complete U-turn. It's going to take time. You yeah. know, it's going to take time and you can't change everything overnight. But each step that you take to make your make your life better make your health better is a good step in the right direction and you're just going to keep going up and up if that's what yeah. you start doing i think that's such a good point because for me i'm not i'm i am not one that likes to really be in the kitchen a lot i'm very simple in everything i do and i always thought this was stuff that would just take too much time it's it's not anything i'm interested in and it's amazing that i absolutely have dug in and I love it and I love going to the farmer's market and I mean you're a big piece of that because you know you started doing it and then you and I went and then now yeah. you know I'm venturing like off. where other farmers <laughs> who all has a farmer's market you get one you get one <laughs> I know it's like you know I'm looking to see when all the different farmer's markets are and it is true just go to those and talk to people and learn about it and it's it doesn't fun. mean every time you have to go I mean that you go you have to buy something or yeah. go and learn yeah and I think that's what's been so fun about it all and there's just something about it I touched on it earlier it just makes you feel better and feel like you're doing something so much more for yourself and your family and mm -hmm. taking care of your family mm -hmm. and also you're supporting your communities mm -hmm. and I think it's so important that we support our local communities um, and these people that are just trying to make a good living and, well, and I saw provide some, us with yeah. good stuff. I saw something the other day that said the average age of the American farmer is over 60 years old. And what's going to happen when they no longer mm -hmm. can take care of their farms? You know, we live in an age of technology where people aren't really going into the field to do farming. They're mm -hmm. not raising cattle and growing vegetables and fruits. And so... I think doing your due diligence to go out there and support the ones that are so that they can make a good living mm -hmm. so that we know that we're getting good food, good nutrients for our body because I just, I don't trust anymore to 
not know where my mm -hmm. food is coming from. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Um, okay, so, I mean, and the main reason, you know, doing this podcast um, today is to just help people to learn and to grow that desire in them to maybe um, want to uh, um, dig deeper into some of the things like we have. And there's so many different areas. And that's why I said I would love to do a series and have different people come on and, and talk yeah. to us. But um, more on on herbs and... Fermented foods. Food. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what all? Gardens. Um, yeah. There's so many different things that... And products, skincare yeah. products, because uh, mm -hmm. that's another whole thing on what we're putting on our body and mm -hmm. not realizing the amount of toxins that we're putting in on a daily or like basis. like natural herbal medicines. Yes. Like what, what, is, what has benefits to us that already grows on the earth that yeah. isn't in a pill or an injection or, right. you know? Yeah. Like how can we start treating some of these diseases that we've already had from, you know, the previous way of living yeah and how can we start turning that ship too yeah yeah, yeah. be cool so if anybody <laughs> out there knows send them yeah. carla's way i know right <laughs> everything everything is in the show notes as far as contact info and mm -hmm. i always say if you know of someone have someone that would be a good guest for any of this please reach out to me and let me know and we'll put as much information as we can in the show notes on the things that we've talked about so you can reference them but you can always reach out to me and, you know, this is a little different on Your Age Is Not Your Cage podcast, but it's really not because I'm all about um, taking care of ourselves, our health, becoming our own health advocates, especially as we're aging and growing older and we're taking care of families. And I think this lines up so beautifully with all of that. Mm -hmm. And so I want to end with Chelsea asking her what does your age is not your cage mean to you? Like what? Well, I think personally, even though I'm only 31 years old, like I feel like I've lived a lifetime already. Um, and so I don't think you're ever too young to be wise. Oh, amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're one of the wisest, wisest friends I have. And, you know, I mean, Chelsea's 31. I'm 59. I mean, she could be my daughter. But the um, consensus of people that I spend my time with are people who are older because yeah. I, I want to know what they have learned. Yeah. And I think that's where wisdom comes from. Mm -hmm. like, wisdom isn't the same thing as knowledge. Yeah. So yeah. I, I enjoy spending my time with people who have already walked that path. Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's beautiful. I love that. And I think we'll end on that note. Thank you for being on with Yay. me. Thanks and for having me. I know you guys will hear Chelsea on here again because... Um, we always just have so much to talk about. <laughs> I know. I didn't expect that to go that long. I'm like, oh. And there is no telling what we'll come up with next. Yes. So, so stay tuned. But thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. Uh, join me next week, every Wednesday, on Your Age Is Not Your Cage. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.